We bless you. We praise you. We lift you up. You are the almighty God. All power and glory and honor belong to you, O God, and we lift you up. We expect you to show up. We expect you to do great things. We expect you to meet every expectation and every need because you never disappoint anybody. And so we thank you, Father, for the things that are appointed to us right now to come into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen. Amen. So we're going to talk about the fact that God performs what we believe. Man, he performs what we believe. How many people think God will do stuff because he says so anyhow. And that's true about some things. But the the issue about faith is that we are believing something. And God wants us to use our faith and put it in him. Not just to believe whatever we want to believe and leave our faith out there to, uh, to be, um, you know, just used any old kind of way, but He wants us to be dedicated and uh, to be dedicated to Him and to secure our faith in Him so that He can reliably perform, consistently perform, uh, what we believe in Him. And so he always performs what we have faith for. If you'll turn, <coughs> excuse me, to Second Kings chapter 7, you'll see God having made a promise and, and it, it was believed and, and so it came to pass. Now, there's one thing for the prophet to believe what God is saying, but then the other thing is that the, the hearers must believe it too. Uh, sometimes for things to be deposited in the earth, God has to have somebody down here believing, and he has to have people down here believing consistently. And that's why many times God will repeat the same things over and over and over again, because, you know, as you believe it once, it can leave your believing just as quickly as it came in. You know, somebody come up to you with a better story or a story. Remember the days we were trying to believe him for a miracle hearing and healing and people would say, well, now he doesn't heal everybody. And we go, oh, huh? You understand what I'm saying? That was very common around in Christianity that, that people, unbelief was so much stronger often than faith. See, the people who are here now, y'all got it made. Because, see, faith has been established in the hearts of enough people that it doesn't even get spoken, or if it does, it doesn't take root. You understand what I'm saying? Or people get so overwhelmed by the faith of of the majority of people, they run out of here and say, oh, I ain't going back there no more. Them people crazy. They believe God can do anything. Huh? And so we have to understand that there is a war in this earth for the kingdom of darkness versus the kingdom of light. And sometimes light may have a minority voice. Because if something is new, many people will not believe it. And so if, if there's a minority voice... People who hold on, God will help to protect your faith. He'll put you in a place where your faith is protected. He will put you in a place where your faith is secure and you won't be talked out of it very quickly. See, the faith of God actually has a judgment to it. You know, it has a gavel that it slams down as the final word. 
Yeah, it does. See, when God God says, I am Alpha and Omega. So he has the last final word, which means that there's been a judgment rendered. See, when a judge slaps, you know, bangs the gavel, huh? I'm talking about a, a real judge. I'm not talking about speaker of the house. <laughs> they little, they little fake gavel that they have. They just calling stuff to order. They use it like they think it's real. You know, that might be something to pray about. Huh? Don't let there be real judgment on that. Cause they're not duly appointed judges for anything. We don't, we are, we the people run this country. Those people that we elect are just servants of ours. They don't render any final judgment. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, when a gavel, uh, is struck, that means it's the end of all conversation. A judgment has been rendered and that's the final word on it. And so when we use our faith, we speak things, there is a judgment rendered against everything that doesn't line up with it. So really your faith passes judgment on my unbelief. Everybody's faith in God passes judgment on unbelief because you have no power to bring that to pass against the power of Almighty God. So it's been rendered null and void. You might as well not even say it. That's why the nutty people that used to argue with you about God's word now avoid you. Remember they want to talk back and get all in your face and all that. Now they avoid you. Because they've been, their unbelief has been rendered judgment against. There's a judgment. You've, you've, you slammed the gavel down, right? The minute you said God will and you said it in faith, your faith slammed the gavel down on whatever they had to say that wasn't like it. So don't keep trying to kiss up the people that don't like you, please. Or you're going to have the gavel slammed down against you one day. Keep messing around with people. Sometimes our faith is a surprise and an accident in us. We shocked we really believe that stuff. I mean, that's how delicate sometimes the faith that we have is. So that's why God will put you in a place where it's protected Against the unbelief of the world. The unbelief of your little religious friends. That want to act like you and sound like you and pretend that they're with you but in their hearts. See God will prove everybody. What they believe. And sometimes it's a shock to us. Oh, I thought, I don't know what happened to them. Why don't they come anymore? They were never with it. Oh, Pastor Burke, no shade yet. They were nice people. The devil got a lot of nice people out there. Like that nice governor of Virginia. Who sat up there and described what they would do to a a woman in labor having a baby. And she delivers it. And you put the baby aside and discuss what you're going to do with the baby after it's born. 
nice man. Y'all feeling me on this one? See, when God gives you faith in him and gives you faith in his word, he has to protect that. He protects it from us. Why? Because he wants to do what he says he's going to do. Period. He wants to perform the word of God for us. And that's why he goes through great lengths to protect the faith that he gives us. You got me? He'll separate you from people. He don't care how much you like. Huh? He don't care if they was your only buddy that you could go to a movie with or you go drink a beer with or whatever you call yourself doing with people. He will separate you from them people. Huh? And we all crying and bawling and squalling and <laughs> nobody loves you. Yeah, everybody loves that loves you is on the right page. You loving wrong page people. So we got a problem with God when that happens. See? And he's going to do what he wants to do to protect his faith investment in you. That faith that you have don't belong to you. It's an investment of God in your life to serve you and do you good. And many times we don't have enough sense about things to know how to value and appreciate what God has put in us. Because we don't value and appreciate ourselves. Or other people. We just want what we want. But God has entrusted the riches of the kingdom in his people. Anyhow. In spite of us. And he knows what he has to do to get us to hold on to it. So that when he returns, the Bible says, when the son of man returns, will he find faith? He's going to be looking for somebody who believes him anyhow. And so he, because he wants to perform what he gives us faith in. So we're in Second Kings chapter 7 and verse, we'll say 1, Elisha said, now this is after there had been three years of drought in Samaria and we had, this is God's kingdom, his southern kingdom is, I think northern people, I can't rip, get, keep them straight. Jerusalem is one, Samaria is the other one. After David died, the kingdom of God was split into a northern and a southern kingdom, never to be unified again until 1948. Interesting, huh? Yeah, God keeps his word, folks. We're supposedly new covenant people living in a better covenant. We marvel at the fact that he keeps his word to old covenant people. Well, your word is your word. Yeah, see, we can't figure it out. We well, how's he? I mean, they don't, they don't, uh, uh, uh-huh. yeah, just let your mind be blown and accept it. You don't have to understand everything. You can accept stuff you can't understand. And all the married people say, that's what I'm talking about. All right. So seven verse one. So <clears throat> anyway, uh, here we are. And, and, uh, there's been three years of drought and famine in the land. And Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time, 
So here we have a prophecy. It's the same thing as the word of the Lord. Man, at one time, all this that you have written here was prophecy. It was being spoken and it was being noted and it was being written. And so God has a word in the mouth of the prophet and it can be believed or it doesn't have to be believed. Same thing with the written word. It can be believed or it doesn't have to be believed. My thing is, if you want to see it come to pass, mix it with your faith. You know, unless some idiot's telling you something, you know the difference between an idiot and a man or a woman of God, don't you? You judge things by the spirit, not by the appearance. And so, so here's a man of God is making an announcement about something that he says God has told him is going to happen and he wants to share it with people. And he says, hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time, a measure of flour will be sold for a shekel, two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then a Lord, it's a powerful man in the secular realm, on whose hand the king leaned, answered the man of God. Now, did the man of God ask a question? So it's best to be quiet. I'm just saying. You understand what I'm saying? Because many times when God says something, he means for that word to stand, period, and not to be questioned, not to be picked apart, and certainly not to be rebuked or refuted. So here you have somebody. See, this is what this is. This is a clash of authorities. Here's the, the prophet of God who is the highest authority that these people know in God's kingdom. And you see a man next to the king, not the king, but next to the king, duking it out with him, clashing. So he he has an answer to make. And this answer is not a faith answer. It's an unbelief answer. The Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? What people would generally do with, with instruction is instead of saying out and out, I don't believe it, they put a mocking message out there. Um, when Barack Obama was president and people were saying, uh, Trump was saying he was going to bring industry back to this nation. And he said, what's he going to do, wave a magic wand? Those businesses are gone forever. Business is coming back here. Well, somebody found a magic wand or something. And it might not have been that hard to find. You understand what I'm saying? And this, this is the kind of response that is. It's not really. See, once you tell, argue with somebody, you gotta know what you're talking about and commit yourself to some, some facts, some details. He's got none of that. 
A decent argument at least has statistics, data, facts to refute what's being said. So that's how you can tell somebody's got a weak argument or they don't know what they're talking about or just ignore them because what they are doing is trying to cast doubt on the word. The reason people do this is to cast doubt on your opinion, your thinking, whatever it is. Because they don't have anything solid to say, but they don't want you to believe what's being said. So it's a spirit of the thief that comes to rob like that. That's all it is. Somebody coming to rob your faith and tell you, just like when we used to believe for miracles, try to believe for miracles and healing. Oh, I no, 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 that you know, they, but I know people have been preaching and so and so I know, and they were a nice nice Christian, solid Christian person, and they died. They had the same thing and they died. So that's not saying that God can't do it. It's just to cast doubt on you so you don't receive it. I'm going to show you what you need to do with doubters because this is how God treats them. I'm going to say it again. This is what you need to do with doubters because this is how God treats them. In verse 2, a Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, well, look here. If they made windows in heaven, might this thing be? If you had a magic wand to wave, could you do this? And he says, okay, well, you look at this. You shall see it with your eyes, but you won't eat of it. See, that's what you do to devils that cast doubt on your faith. Huh? You put them under their feet. You tell them, no, I'm holding on to the word of the Lord. I don't know who sent you and how you got here, but you're getting out of my face right now because I don't hear such things. And this is what happens to all doubters. They do their job of casting doubt on your faith to rob you of something. If they're successful, you'll both be standing there without. But they're not going to get anything and they don't care if they don't ever get anything from God. Because they're on an assignment to rob you of what God has for you. And I don't care if they are Christians. I don't care if they are sitting up in the church. So the story goes, there were four lepers, you know the story, why sit we here until we die? That's another one of our Christian pet phrases, (laughs) but here we sit. (laughs) Those are real powerful words. Those are words of a decision being made to get up and use your faith. And we all have to make those decisions. You'll be thinking about something, wanting something, praying for something, thinking about it, wanting it, praying, thinking about it, won't pray. And then one day you realize I haven't done anything but sit here, won't think and pray. I better get up and do something and start to act like I really want this. So that's what these lepers did. 
They were on the low end of the totem pole. They weren't in line for here. We got the king being spoken to by the prophet and somebody he depends on arguing with the prophet about who's going to get something. So we got the high and important people in strife and we got these lepers sitting here. (laughs) Nobody pays attention to them sitting at the gate unclean, unclean. Don't come near me. You'll get contaminated and die. I'm unclean. Nobody likes them. Nobody touch them. Nobody does anything for them. Who would have thought they'd be people that God would preserve their faith for such a time? <laughs> I mean, it's always the unlikely people. It's never the faith people. <laughs> it's the truth. It's never the people that get promoted for their great faith. It's always the unlikely people. Boy, if if wealth breaks out in a homeless camp, it's going to mess everybody's head up. You understand what I'm saying? But if that's the only place God can find faith, he will do it. You got me? He will definitely do it. So they decided that they would just, they said, well, let me just read it. Verse three, there were four leprous men at the entering of the gate and they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say, now this is how you make decisions. (laughs) It's decisions to use your faith of all things. See, we think faith is like life and death. When you got to make a decision to get out of your comfort zone and move over in the truth, in accomplishing something, it's like you, you know how risky sometimes we think a move, a move of faith is for us? Oh, if I do that, what's that going to be? <laughs> you know what, and when you look at it, like if once you get over into faith and you look back and you think, why did I sit there and think like that all that? What, what was holding me back? It was actually Death, your your flesh man was being crucified, and that's why you felt it was life and death, because he was being killed. Because he realizes now he ain't going to be able to run your life like he used to be able to run. Keep you messed up, keep you broke, keep you this, keep you that. So there is actually life and death involved in these decisions we make. These men aren't strange in the way that they think. They're quite normal. They said, why would we sit here? If we sit here, we're going to die anyway. Because if I don't get this from God, it's over for me. And if I take a chance and step over into where it looks like I might have a chance to live, once I get in there, somebody in there is going to kill me. Like, why should I continue to rent? I want to buy a house. Oh, but if I can't afford the note, I'm going to put out on the street. I'm going to, you understand what I'm saying? These are life and death to us when we have to make these decisions. Now, many times we look at, well, I got a good job. I can afford that. Yeah, but if you get sick, I mean, all kinds of things, but we step out and do it anyway. Why is that? Well, for one thing, once, once you step over and do it with the faith of God, whatever it was that was threatening you disappears. 
just like you'll see with these lepers. Remarkably, now how many of y'all know what I'm talking about? You knew you needed to move and get a bigger house, better house, nicer house. God promised it to you, but you went, <laughs> you know, cement shoes all the way to the mortgage company. <laughs> and then you finally sign it, and what happens? <sighs> Because you just entered in. What did I enter into? You entered into faith and you got rid of all that unbelief that was clawing at you, banging at the door of your head, trying to scare you to death. The devil shoots his best shot until we enter in. It's good to stay entered in. You got me? It's good to enter in and stay. Of course we don't, but you know what I'm saying. You'll have to pay the price over again. But here we go. They said we will enter into the, here we go to entering in. If we enter into the city, the famine's in the city and we'll die there. If we sit still here, we die also. What they're saying is, let's go enter into the city because death is at both places. But that's a new place. A new place to die. Or in a small chance that God's there, you might live, you might survive, and you might prosper. But death is is facing you in both places. Isn't that amazing? But there's something about the same old, same old. That for Christians, that wears us out. Somehow we're always more enticed by the new than we are by what's familiar. Why? Because that's God's spirit. He makes everything new. And so when we start going forward into what's new versus what's familiar, we oftentimes find God is there. He's seldom still in the familiar once the desire for the new comes to us. And so he says, they rose up at twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. When they come there to the uttermost part of camp of Syria, behold, there was no people there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to get scared out of their minds. He sent them hallucinations. Everybody in the Syrian camp had hallucinations that night and they heard horses they heard chariots, they heard men of war, and there was nobody there. They gave God's people more credit than they deserved. <laughs> oh, burn! You mean the devil's really scared of me? Yeah. God will send your enemy strong delusions. Huh? It'd be so crazy out of, out of their minds. Look at all these people that scream when they see a MAGA hat. I never would have thought I'd live to see anything this delightful in my life. Do you know that's how they feel about God's people in the realm of the spirit? You show up and they just screech, scream and can't stand it anymore. Now, they've been subtle about it in the past. They've been working undercover to make laws to 
keep us from having our freedom to speak and all this kind of stuff. But deep down, they're scared to death. See, they're, the Supreme Court is their last shot at stopping the gospel. Did you hear what I said? And they've been using it too. They got the court stacked with liberal judges. They got it stacked with people who hate Christians. They got it stacked with people who just are evil and will do anything that supports an evil agenda. But God. See, some of y'all sitting out there confused because you like that D when you go to vote. But you're going to start looking for G-O-D when you go in the voting booth. Because there are going to be so many people out after us, it's going to make your head swim. Uh See, you can't just be comfortable anymore. you got two sides, finally. Thank God Christians have to choose sides. Because living in the middle of the road is hell, and we don't even know it. Had all the wealth and prosperity stripped from this nation. You go through Detroit, that isn't bad people emptying factories out. That's bad government. That's bad legislation. See, when we go up there and we pray, we're praying to get rid of the D people or any other people that want to hinder. It's not just Democrats, it's Republicans too. But see, certain people get in love with that D. And so I got to strip that off of y'all as much as I can to make you free people. You got to get free to do what God tells you to do. Period. Huh? And people who love the R, you got to get free of that. So you can get free to do what God tells you to do. Period. Nonsense. How sucked in people are. You know, people, people who like comfort more than they like truth. The airwaves are full of those people. Look at Oprah Winfrey. Huh? The people like that like comfort. Now her, her father's a Baptist preacher. But see, the devil's managed to mess her mind up through an unfortunate upbringing and all of that kind of stuff. So now she's just a people pleaser. Whatever majority of people like, she'll go for it. Why? She lives in ratings. She lives in the world of sponsors. She lives in the world of all that kind of stuff. And so she chooses comfort over truth. I've seen God sent people on her show for many years to stand and share the gospel with her. And she'd argue them down every single time. Oh, all paths lead to God. I saw this one woman tell, no, sweetheart, it's Jesus. He's the only one shed his blood for us. And pretty soon a commercial came on. <laughs> That's his mercy, folks. He, he, he's not threatened by Oprah's billions. God owns everything. He's the reason she got her billions. You understand what I'm saying? And we're the ones who's messed up in the head. So the host of the Syrians hallucinated all night. And they said, oh, no, this is the king of Israel's hired all the kings of the Hittites and the Egyptians. Now, how's he going to do all that? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But your imagination will tell you anything. And you believe it. 
He says, wherefore they arose and fled at twilight and left their tents, horses, everything, money, gold, silver, food. They left everything because they were running for their lives. God put that kind of fear in the enemy. Huh? I said, God put that kind of fear in the enemy. When those lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and ate and drank. Took out the silver and gold. They had a party. So the prophecy was this time tomorrow. But at midnight, guess who was partying? <laughs> Let me tell you what, what faith will do. Faith will tell you something like, why should I wait until this time tomorrow? God, can you give me an early release on that blessing? Because faith is now. See, faith can be activated anytime you believe. So here the promise to everybody was this time tomorrow, but we get some early return people. See, learn how to be the early return people. Don't wait until everybody else sees it and feels it and touches it and then you go out and get your minor portion. Learn how to believe, be the early return people. Well God, if you can do it this time tomorrow, how come you can't do it tonight at midnight? When it's convenient from us, cause see if we wait till this time tomorrow, we're gonna be sitting right at this gate begging and telling people we unclean. Maybe if we get up and do something on our own, No matter how crazy, foolish, or threatening it seems, maybe if we step out with the faith that we have and see what's out there. Why sit we here until we die? Is a very motivating way of thinking. It keeps you active and involved in the next thing in God. It keeps you active and involved in the next move of God. I hear people entertaining prophecies about, oh, well, brother so-and-so, it's always somebody they think is real important in God. I always like that. Because <laughs> who everybody thinks is real important of God seldom is. Did you know we're all important in God? I mean, as long as you're obeying God and you love God, you're just important to him is the people that, that have to spend $10 million a month to keep their name out there. I mean, seriously. So, so God will, will raise up whomever he wants to raise up and put a word in their mouth and allow them to open the door for what the next move of God. Here are people saying, oh, oh, prophet so-and-so said it's going to happen. It's going to happen in so many different places. If you add up all these words that people have, it's like, well, no, I'm just going to sit here until God moves me. Oh, it's going to be in Florida. Oh, no, it's going to be in New York. Oh, no, it's going to be in South Carolina. So you moved to all these places. It's going to be in Memphis. Remember when it was going to be in Tennessee somewhere? Nashville. 
you know, because they got a lot of musicians down here. <laughs> Devil always moves through music. Oops, I mean God always. It's going to be a musical move. Jay-Z is going to lead it all. No, them, them rappers going to get saved now. Not nothing against Jay-Z getting saved. You understand what I'm saying? So you don't know where to go. You know that scripture that says, if, uh, pay no attention to people when they say, Christ is here, Christ is there, Christ is there. He's in your heart. Talk to him. Just a thought. So, anyway, these guys sit there. They're having a party in the tent. And the author of the party shows up. Bummer. We was having fun until God showed up. Huh? He comes with the blessing. His present, lest we forget where it originated. God always comes with the blessing. He carries it in there himself. He allows you to see it. Who do they think revealed to them to go into that city on the outside chance that perhaps they wouldn't die? They just wanted a change of scenery. You know, you get sick of the same old spot all the time. Well, the man that, that was uh, the paralytic man that sat on the, at, at, uh, on the porch of Bethesda is there 38 years. And Jesus said, won't you be made whole? He said, I don't have anybody to move me. Come on now. People who don't have something know they need to make a change. Jesus didn't ask him nothing about moving. He asked him if he wanted to be made whole. But somewhere in him, he knew he was going to have to move in order to do it. He said, I have no man to pick me up and take me. See, when we've been someplace too long doing dumb stuff too long and being without too long, we know we got to make a change. But it's killing us to do it. Huh? You think you're going to die. So God says, okay, I'm not going to kill you right off the bat. I'm going to let you die a slow death. Just go out and look for a house. On the outside chance, you might find one. And you go drive around real first with your, fast with your eyes shut. God, I didn't see nothing. And run right back in. <laughs> oh, come on, all you holy people out there. You know y'all do this stuff. I want to get married. You can look for somebody at the gym. I would. I mean, you know, if I was 40 pounds younger and that many pounds thinner or whatever, you know, I just go looking. You go in your normal habitat. Huh? Then once you clear the place out and find out he ain't there, you just... Go to your prayer closet. Huh? Then what do you do? You go in the scripture and start to look around and see what husbands look like. David was a husband. He had a lot of wives. But 
Abraham was a husband? Huh? Look at how their wives interacted with them. Huh? Oh, really, Barb? I hadn't thought about that. Instead of looking at the gym, go look in the Bible. That dangerous place, the Word of God. Huh? Well, that's what you'll, that's where you'll find it, but see, that's what we scared of. Cause see, right now we safe. Nobody's coming in, nobody's going out. No movement, no signs of life. <sighs> I can exhale. Uh-huh. Suppose some, some nice Christian man is praying for a wife. You got to get on his radar. You got to get in the word. If he's a Christian, he's looking in the word for his wife first. So y'all in agreement once you get in there. And I'm not going to stop either. Care how much you hold your breath. You turn blue if you want to. Fall on the floor if you want to. Have a seizure if you want to. I'm going to keep talking about it. Thank you, Miss Nola. She only said it because she married. She was single. She'd be, she'd be exhaling if she was single. Huh? I'm not gonna get in this Bible cause some, some mean man might be reading. You mean you tell, tell me you really think God is gonna get somebody to mean to start opening up the word? He couldn't be as mean as you, you ain't in it. This actually tastes like beer right about now cause I... Y'all will wear people out, I'm just... Let me have another one. Make that a double. Praise the Lord. So these men risk their lives, actually, to get the early bird return. Huh? Cool. It's like the, uh, you know, they run a special. A dinner special at four o'clock because nobody's hungry then. That's you. Spiritually speaking. God, I'm not really hungry, but I know you said this time tomorrow. Excuse me. Everybody would know. I want to know early. I want to partake of mine early. You got me? Because see, I know how y'all do. Y'all go to a restaurant and eat for a week. Well, let me have a. Let me have a doggy bag. I got a big dog. Two big dogs. Huh? We all know how to get in on the early return. Huh? But it's for the ones who don't mind risking everything. You don't mind looking stupid. You don't mind people telling you you're crazy. You don't mind people telling you you're a sellout. You don't mind people telling you, you know, them white people don't like you and they're racist and all. Well, how could you vote for a racist? Those are the early return people that will get their return early because they believed. See, you didn't think it was going to ever be this hard to believe God for something. Huh? 
But it is. It will cut you to the quick. It will locate where you live. It will find you or tell you where your heart really is in things. You thought you really loved Jesus. Huh? You willing to go against your family? Well, the nice ones, not that one. You know what I'm talking about. Them folks. The ones you usually agree with. Yeah, you're going to have to go against everything. You'll risk dying to get your early return. So the lepers had it all and could have kept it all. It was only because the giver of the gift showed up with the gift that they were able to do what they were supposed to do with it. Think about it this way. Had it been found, and it would eventually have been found out that there was wealth in that camp, the lepers could have been put to death because they weren't supposed to be in there touching none of that stuff. See, unclean people were relegated to a certain station in life, never to move out of that unless the author and the finisher of their faith moved them in the right position with their wealth. A lot of people can make money, can have things and all of that, but they wind up losing it all because the author of wealth has no place in their life. The devil sets it up that way. But if they were to hold on to what they had, they had to obey what the Spirit of God was telling them. So what did God do? He put a a sense of conviction on them because of what they had their hands on. He says, when they, when the lepers came, verse 8, to the uttermost part of the camp, they went in, they ate, and they drank, went and carried it from one tent to the other, partied, laid down in the corn and the wine, and, you know, took a bath in the tub of wine all night long, whatever they want to do. And then God showed up. After they started enjoying what they had, God showed up. God does not mind you enjoying the riches that your hands produce. But he will show up and remind you of stewardship principles involved in your acquiring what you have. So God shows up here and they said to one another, this is not good what we're doing. Huh? One minute it was good, the next minute it's not. What makes the difference? God's spirit. And they said, our attitude isn't right about it. Nothing wrong with the wealth. It was their attitude about it. And he says, this is a day of good tidings and we're holding our peace. In other words, we're trying to keep this a secret. He said, and they remembered the prophecy. Because they said, this is a day where everybody was supposed to prosper. And we know where all the wealth is and we're not telling anybody. And it's not right. So the lepers get healed. Amen. Because leprosy really is uh, born out of a spirit of rebellion. Rebellion against God's law. So here all of a sudden they start obeying God and they start getting acceptance. Acceptances for them. And they said... He said, this is a day of good tidings and we're holding our peace. If we tarry until the morning light, then something bad might want to happen to us. 
The spirit of the miracle working power of God always brings with it a spirit of repentance and conviction of sin. I'm going to say it again. See, everybody wants the glory of God. We want the power. We want the, want the anointing. Yeah, don't even know what it is. They just want something. Huh? And that's usually what they get. <laughs> something. Huh? But when Peter, when Jesus, Peter and his, his partners toiled all night fishing, couldn't get anything, boats were empty, Jesus said, well, let me put them to work. If you're not willing to obey God every step of the way, you won't get your miracle. And so they let him go out and preach in the ships. When they got back in, Jesus told him, I want you to go out now and get your paycheck for letting me use your boat. Jesus never takes anything from anybody that he doesn't pay them back with increase. So he tells them where to go fish. Now, listen, there's a big sea out there. And they done toiled all night and ain't got nothing. So Jesus is a problem solver. Problem is, they didn't know where the fishes was. No fish is smart. How do you think some of them live to get as big as they do? They look up there and say, shh, there's Peter out there again dropping that net. Y'all move over here. And they, huh? <laughs> we escaped them all night long. They can even do it in the dark. See, it's black in the middle of the night. And they say, there Peter is again. Come on, y'all, let's move back this way. And they ease on back. Well, Jesus told the fish, go over there and stay there. So you got to get with somebody who has more power than you do. More authority, more clout. <laughs> that was the problem. See, they were using their same old tactics instead of stepping into the new. When Jesus hires you as a disciple. That means he's going to take care of you. From this day forward, you will be taken care of by the Lord. So Peter, when they pull up all this stuff and the nets break and then they got to get another boat to come out and all this fish is getting caught. And what does Peter do? He doesn't jump and shout and say, ooh, look at all the fish. Ooh, 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 glory. And then do his dance. And he play, play the piano music real fast. He didn't do none of that stuff. What did he do? He hid himself from Jesus, said, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. Conviction of sin and repentance comes on people. In the miracle working atmosphere. Don't forget it. It's very important. Why? Because God wants to fix every problem in the room. He doesn't want to just give you a miracle healing so everybody can be excited and sit there and watch the new miracle. He wants to fix hearts. He wants to fix people who are not serving him. He wants to get them into the kingdom. It always comes with repentance and a desire to win souls. So here the same thing happens with these lepers. They get convicted of their greed. And they decide they're going to report everything. So he says, if we don't do this, and conviction is so strong, they thought something bad would happen to them if they held their peace any longer. 
That's what your relatives need to get saved. They, don't be upset if they scared God's going to kill them. Because they're dead men walking already if they don't receive Christ. huh? So it ain't no gonna in it. But they have a sense that they have an opportunity to repent and turn to the Lord. And if they don't do it, it won't go well for them. You know, God does weary of dealing with Annie and uncle and man, man and Babra and all of them. So he says, therefore, come that we may go tell the king's household. So they came and called to the porter of the city, told him all that stuff. And he called the porters and they told it to the king's house. The king arose in the night and said to the servants, I will now show you what the Syrians have done to see the king don't believe nothing. Why do you think he doesn't believe? There you go. Guy he's leaning on just spoke words of unbelief. So in order for the king to believe tomorrow this time, now hear this, in order for him to believe tomorrow this time, which was the prophecy, somebody in the middle of the night has to have mercy on him and cleanse him of that unbelief that was planted in him by the guy that worked for him. Or he ain't going to see it either. It's important for leaders to be people of faith. Because it affects the whole nation. It's real quiet in here. You don't think what's talked about by our elected officials has power spiritually speaking? Why you think that prayer manual is sitting there? If, if we and people like us who pray didn't bind up their words, you know what a pickle we'd be in? If their words was all that was out there? The only thing that's standing between this nation and, and condemnation and judgment is prayer. It is the word of God that's believed in spite of what you hear them saying. Faith brings the word of God to life. You have to believe first and then receive. So the king got up in the middle of the night, verse 12, said to his servants, I will now show you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we're hungry. Therefore, they've gone out to the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, when they come out of the city, we'll catch them alive and get into the city. And here's he got, here's this, a Lord, the Lord, the guy, the upper guy that he depends upon, put unbelief in his heart. You know where God went to get faith back into it? went to a common ordinary servant to give this man his faith back. Same thing with Naaman to dip seven times in the Jordan. One of his servants said, a little servant girl said, gee, would to God that there was a prophet, you know, if there's prophet in Samaria, this guy would get healed of his leprosy. It's always the least likely people. You know why least likely people get truth? 
Because they don't amount to anything to anybody. We're not worth it to upper, upper people to try and get us around them so, so they get, cause they're all looking for somebody that's got more influence in their world than they have to spend time with. So be thankful they don't want to spend time with you. They don't consider you up valuable enough, high enough, and all of that to want to be around you. Thank God for it. I don't hear a lot of thanksgiving, but I think it's rich. So one of his servants answered, verse 3, like, like some take, I pray thee five of the horses that remain, which are left in the city. It's a lot of them. That they are all the multitude of Israel that are consumed and let us send and see. So here's somebody who wants proof instead of lies and rumors. These are the people that punch holes in the political correctness. That punch holes in the uh, uh, status quo of, of what's generally believed about everybody. They, well, let me let, just let me see what the truth is. These are the people who seek truth and not to get along with everybody. And so he says, let's just go and see what's going on down there. Nothing won't hurt anything. Huh? But he's holding on to the word of the prophet. He's holding on to the word of the Lord. He said, listen, I got something in me that says I'm going to be able to eat this later on today. And I want to see if that's happened already or if it's even close to happening. God, show me what the truth is. And so it says they took, verse 14, two chariot horses. The king sat after the horse of the Syrians saying, go and see. And they went after them to Jordan. And lo, all the way was full of garments and vessels. And the Syrians had run around and the people went out and spoiled the tents of the Syrians. Okay, so it's party time for everybody now. Just as the prophet said. And that day... A shekel was, uh, some measure of barley was sold for whatever they said it was and whatever it said it was. And there were so many people trying to get into the city that they trampled over the man on whose hand the king leaned. So that's what happens to people who try to infect you with unbelief. They get trampled in the dust. You understand me? Your best bet is to do that up front. Just tell them, no, I don't believe that. You know, this, no, and I'm not going to argue with you either. If you want to believe it, help yourself. But me, myself, I'm going a different way. God has told me. Amen. And you stand on what God has told you and everything else that supports what God has told you. Hebrews 4 tells you. What happened to these gentlemen when they were sitting at the gate? The gate represents an entrance or an exit. Oftentimes it represents both. So you go in one place and you come out of another. And Hebrews 4 verse 1, let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left to us of entering into his rest, any of you should come short of it. So really your rest is the place where you make the decision to obey God. You don't rest until you get there. 
do you? You worry, you doubt, you fear, you wrestle with the idea. And then when rest comes upon you, that means you've made a decision. And the decision for God is the one that leads to the ultimate rest, the peace that passes all understanding. You ever get an idea to do something to to settle a problem and then you rethink it later and you go back and say, well, maybe I should. See, you haven't entered the rest of God. See, that little temporary, you did that because you quit fishing for ideas. But until the right idea comes to you, that process will continue. You're going to continue trying to figure it out. Is this going to work? Is that going to work? And then God will make you lay it down for a minute. And you lay it down for a minute. And because you didn't choose God's way, it keeps on at you. Until you just say, well, God, what do you want me to do? You tell me what's best. Or you go to the word and you start getting peace. And then that peace that won't be moved with a, you're not, you've, you have run out of ideas. That's because God's answer has now come into your life. And that answer will keep you until you get to that place where it manifests. It passes understanding. Which means as long as you can have understanding and come up with another idea, you haven't gotten there yet. So God wants us to labor to enter into that rest, the one that passes all understanding. So how do you do that? You go to the word, you find scripture, you meditate on the word. You ask God to give you assurance, confirmation. Where does confirmation come from? Sometimes in very unexpected ways. You can be having what you think is a casual conversation with somebody and they will say something to you. That's why it's good to stay around godly people. Because this don't happen with just sinners or anybody. You know, you can get into a conversation and somebody will just be in passing, they think, saying something to you. And it hits you and God has spoken to you and tells you, yep, I told you to do that. So now it's been confirmed. So get to getting. Amen. And don't turn back and don't doubt anymore. And so when God plants it in us, it will be confirmed and sometimes confirmed over and over and over again. People say, it's just a confirmation. Are you kidding me? That's an established word. You know what established means? It can't be moved. It's for you. It's rock solid. Get a clue. Start to value the things of God. Sometimes we devalue God's people and devalue the things of God. Because we don't know what we're looking for either. Always value God's people more highly than you do sinners. Now, I mean, I love everybody and all that, but what fellowship does light have with darkness? What communion do the sons of God have with the sons of the devil? They have none. Start learning to value the right things, folks. Good gravy. If you don't know anything by now, know that. You start getting be friendship with the world and pretty soon you back out there again. Now you ask some of the people who 
strayed out there and then came back to the house of God. They don't hardly talk about it. That's one testimony most people don't enjoy giving. It's a hard way back. Yes, the prodigal son. Thank God for people, God letting people come to themselves. Instead of living like the devil forever. So Hebrews 4, 6 says here, I'm sorry, uh, uh, verse 2, for the gospel unto us, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as to them, but the word preached did not profit them not being mixed with faith when they heard it. So whatever we talk about here is not going to help you any unless you believe it. It won't. You've got to mix it with your own faith for it to come to pass. You know, we all love the word, it sounds good and all that, but it's going to compel us one day to step out and do something with it. It says, for we which have believed do enter into rest. Just like the lepers, remember they were, why sit we here until we die? They were trying to enter into the gate of the city, which was a place of rest for them. When they got them made the decision, they were upset and nervous until they made the decision and entered into the city. Once you enter into faith, believing God, you heave a sigh of relief. You're like, finally got here. And then you take the next step and move into physically what he wants you to do. And keep walking in that place of rest. Whatever rest tells you to do, you do the next thing. And whatever rest tells you to do, you do the next thing. What, Barb? You mean there's more to do? That's what we're always scared of. We're scared it's going to take a little labor to get what we need from God. Well, I believe God. I believe God. What are you doing? Well, see, I'm the kind of person that, (laughs) yeah, that's what I thought. That's why we're having this conversation. Because you're that kind of person. You're the kind of person let the devil rob them blind. Because you're scared to enter into your rest and to do what rest tells you to do. What's rest compelling you to do? Go out, make a decision. Sometimes they're risky. Some are riskier than others. But God absorbs any risk you might have to take. If he's leading you somewhere, he's not leading you for you to lose. He's leading so he can prosper you. Because sitting right there where you at, baby, ain't done nothing for you but got corns on your toes. Huh? Your hair grayer. Teeth and got loose. I ain't going to say what else has happened, but you get the picture. No, you have to enter into the rest of God by faith. God, I believe you. He said, okay, get up and do so and so. Why sit you there until you die? If you believe me, get up and do something. Well, God, what do I do? Anything. (sighs) 
I said anything. There's no right or wrong thing to do. You don't know what the unction of God. Why, why could, 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 uh, Jesus heal a blind man by spitting, making spit out of dirt and put it on his eyes and then touch some and their sight came back. Why? Because faith is up to what the Holy Spirit tells you to do to get it going. But he wants us to move off of dead zero because faith without works is dead. You can no more say you believe God's getting you a new car and not go look. I didn't want to go look for a new car, but I didn't want to keep driving that big van either. I can't even get in the garage. It's like, what? Do they make things? I mean, I ride in them and all that, and they're very comfortable. However, I can't believe people drive these things every day. Seriously. But I'm no longer a sedan girl because of the deep knee bends and so forth and so on, which, you know, I am an agile little body. <laughs> I got to wiggle them around every morning to get, get the air pockets out of them. Oh, Lord. So I need a change of, you know what I'm saying, but that ain't it. That's, that belongs to God and I'm glad. You know what I'm saying. But anyway. But I, I have to do something. So the first thing that, that I see to do, I do. Now, is that going to work? God knows. Do I care? Mm, a little bit, but I ain't worried. Because it was the first thing I saw to do that was moving me closer to where I wanted to get. Oh, Barb, suppose that's the wrong thing to do. God will take care of it. See, I killed all them devils years ago. The what ifs and it might not. We're talking about a hunk of metal here. We're not talking about anything eternal. If I'm, if If it lasts as long as I live. Just don't bury me in it. Don't get stupid like that. She liked her car, but just, you know what I'm saying. And don't put my dress on the same color as the car or something stupid. Like, come on now. Use a little more class than that. But all I'm saying is it will be left here when I go to be with the Lord. If it's still here. I might outlive the stupid car. Who knows? But all I'm saying is things of this life don't even compare To what God can reveal. Because see I know that faith for a car. Is not just faith for a car. We're not just dealing with a hunk of metal here. Because a superior force. That works in the heart of believers. And that belongs to God. That is blood bought. Is pulling that into my life. So the fact that I'm using the superior force. Is much more important. Than getting the right thing. Or the wrong thing. Or getting something that's this or that. Or this color or that color. It doesn't matter. When God brings it in, I'll be very happy with it. But I've got to work my faith and use that force of faith in order for me to even get to the next level of anything in God. 
What would I look like asking God for a, a meeting to do miracles and have miracle power and I'm scared to go buy a car? And I got money. I don't need no note. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> but, but I might take one. <laughs> it's cheap enough. <laughs> take your old dirty money. You know what I'm <laughs> a filthy looker. Where is it? Where do I sign? You know. But <laughs> old filthy looker. <laughs> I'm using a superior force to get that filthy looker in my house. But uh No, I found one of my credit cards says, We thank you for being a uh faithful card holder for I'm gonna tell y'all how long. Some, some poor man on Twitter thought he wanted to date me. And I said, what year were you born? Curiosity. I was like a credit card holder. <laughs> I found out the my credit card is older than the president of American Express. <laughs> I know. It's very stunning, isn't it? <laughs> so you think I'm scared of a little debt? You think I'm scared? <laughs> I eat debt for breakfast. Huh? But, but see, I found one of my nice cards said, we will give you X number of dollars for a whole year interest free. I said, send a check today. I'll find a car tomorrow, but put that in my account today. You mean I don't have to pay for it? You're going to send it right here? I'm in. All in. So don't be afraid, folks, these worldly things. We're going to all leave here one day, and you're going to find out how important it is. But know in your heart, in your faith, how important it is on this side. It's not that important. The devil wants to make it important. Remember the days he would tell you, who you think you are looking for uh, some payments, getting, get, trying to get credit? Have you looking at your credit score every other day? And Credit score, like blood pressure, it'll go up and down depending upon what you believe. Hebrews, where are we? Hebrews 4. So he says here, verse 3, we which have believed do enter in. You enter into any situation, any blessing, any anything with your faith. Without faith, you're going to stay right where you are. Just like the lepers. Why sit we here until we die? Once you make the decision that you must move, you find out where God is. If you ain't sure where he is, go to the first place that looks like God to you. But you can't sit there no more. You've made the decision in God to move on to something else. I remember when we were scared to say we we're going to go to the conference because we didn't know if we'd get the money. You understand what I'm saying? And then you stepped out as best you could. And then, but you kept stepping out. You didn't step out and step back again. That's why people's faith don't grow. When you step out in faith, the remembrance of that situation should be the good and not the bad. If you're just remembering the risk and not the reward, 
you're listening to the devil. The devil will tell you, you can't do that again. You had so much trouble getting that money. And remember how hard it was. And then you couldn't do this and you couldn't do that. And then Pastor Barb had to pay your way. Or Pastor Shirley told, called you in the office and said, we're going to pay for you. And I know, what's bad about that? Except the devil gets glorified in your shame. You got a prayer answer and all he can tell you is how ashamed you need to be because somebody paid the balance on your. You know what you need to say? You know what, devil? At least I didn't sit up in my house for four days and listen to your nonsense. Huh? I had sense enough to go and get with the saints no matter how lean it was, hard it was, whatever. Huh? Well, you remember all them offerings you was embarrassed? Hey devil, I'm gonna show you something. I'm gonna feel good about this. I'm going again. I'm gonna feel good about giving this time. Yeah, you're right. I was ashamed because I didn't have the money, but it's not gonna happen again. Since I know you like it, I ain't gonna do it no more. Huh? Give you a headache. Second Timothy 2.15 tells us to study to show ourselves approved unto God. You keep reading your Bible until God says, you read too much. <laughs> Did I break something? I'm sorry. I try to be so careful with the sacred cows. Hmm? Yeah, when he approves of you, that's when you stop. Huh? God has all kinds of things he wants to reveal to his children. If you knew how excited Jesus was to be able to share these things with us that have been hidden from the earth for ages. Prophets of old, as much as they knew in God, desired to see what we see now. And we don't have time. Why? Devices. On the stupid phone. The same stupid people that you call stupid the last time you was on there. And you click like anyway. They're still on there with more stupid stuff today. The real stupid people I notice take a few days off though. But somebody else just as stupid takes their place. With some more stupid stuff for you to click like to. Hmm? And you think, well, I ain't going to click no like. But then you feel bad because you're their friend. Whatever. It's all witchcraft. You know what I'm saying? That's all it is. No, And we know better. And we say we're only going to give a certain amount of time to it, and then it's two hours later. And, and, and the, 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 you know, iPhone rubs it in your nose. They tell you every morning, you spent so many hours on the phone yesterday. <laughs> God help us! <laughs> but yeah, study to show yourself approved unto God. And then you won't feel like your faith isn't where it should be. If you study to show yourself approved unto God, the Bible says a workman that will never be ashamed, you'll know you got it. 
Huh? You will. You'll know you got it. Because you're not limiting your time with him. You're not trying to push everything else ahead of him and do more stuff and not put him in his rightful place. And then you'll be able to rightly divide the word of truth. You won't be sitting up there reading the Bible and think it means he's talking about my neighbor. (laughs) No, he's talking to you. Huh? That's rightly dividing the word of truth to me. You know, just just first of all, know who he's talking to. It's like who reading it besides you? You having a group read with your neighbor? He's talking to you. Huh? You don't you don't get in the Bible and he start talking to you about other people. Now, unless you got a ministry that lets you tell on people or something. I mean, you know, I don't know. Some people say they call to that. I know I'm gonna stop. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just feeling good about something. <laughs> <But> <laughs> hey, you know that's my job, killing all these sacred cows. Y'all get on these social media and start listening to these false prophets and that's why I don't prophesy you until I get an unction. I don't want you living off my words. I don't want you living off nobody's words. Stay off of them things, reading all that nonsense. And they say the same thing. You know, a prophecy every day is nothing more than a horoscope. That's a fortune-telling spirit. Anybody feel like they got to have a word from some other person every day is already over into witchcraft. You've been manipulated. So stop it. Amen? Praise the Lord. Okay, praise God. I'm done. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for understanding. Thank you. You want relationship with your children. The Holy Spirit says you have no need that a man should teach you. You don't need to get a word every day. But you need a word from your father. You need to talk to him all the time. So, Lord, we thank you for blessing us to know truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. If somebody needs prayer, come on.